0: I know it's easy for us to um, to go like, oh, another Thanksgiving sermon, another thankful, another be grateful kind of sermon, here we go. But I want to remind you, and I know I even say this a lot too, that a lot of times in scriptures when they would start writings, they would say, I know that it's, I know that you know this, or it's good that I remind you, or don't be naive, or don't be arrogant, don't think that um, you're above this talk, or whatever, Um, And what it was saying is this, like, we all know that we should be grateful. We all know that we should be thankful. But the difference between knowing it and actually doing it, sometimes there can be a lot of gap in there. Amen? And so it's good for us to look at these teachings and, and say, yeah, okay, another Thanksgiving sermon. But like I always say, the largest gap in the world is between what we know to do and what we actually do. And so it's good for us to be continually talking about this. And so last week I shared with you a story where last week, um, I was at home, and we were off. It was Saturday afternoon, didn't have any work to do. And so um, Jess really uh, spoke my love language, and she bought me pizza and let me watch the football game by myself. And so I had pizza and Michigan football, and so life was good. It was starting really, really good. And um, unfortunately, the Michigan Wolverines are not very good. And so uh, my brother is two years younger than me, so we're like best friends. We grew up together, and obviously, <laughs> I don't know why I said that, um, <laughs> So, um, we kept him out back, so we kind of, know it's like an Elsa thing, like she had one room and, or he, anyway, I'm bunny trailing, but that was another Frozen reference, my second for the week, so someone take that, I know, like, take it from me, like, please, my, uh, it's my daughter, I can blame my daughter, I have a two-year-old, so, anyway, um, So my brother, so I'm watching this game, and Michigan's doing terrible, and that's what they do. And uh, and I'm also, like, back and forth in a group text with my brother and some of my buddies. And as the day goes on, and as Michigan gets worse... Uh, throughout the day, I get in a very, very bad mood. I'm in a foul mood and I'm really angry and it's really ruined my day. I've lost my peace over how this Michigan game is going. But then I remember that I'm about to preach this sermon the next day. And so I, I stop and I look and I have my iPad and I have my iPhone and I'm watching a HDTV and I'm like instantly communicating back and forth between my brother and my wife uh, is upstairs making cookies with my daughter who's playing with, my, with her grandmother and there's like, I'm drowning in blessing yet i've let my peace go i've 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 like got so discontent over this meaning meaningless scenario in my life drowning in blessings but i've let this ridiculous thing get me and i thought man it's that easy it's that easy in our life that we have to just guard against we are the most blessed people in the world, and like that quick, because of a football game, we lose what we're grateful for. Even though I was drowning and surrounded in blessing, I still totally lost my peace. And so I want to encourage you, the scripture throughout, and we're going to read it right here, continually ties Peace and being peaceful with being grateful and being thankful. Those two things go together. And by the end of today and by the end of next week, I hope that you see that. We have to work hard as a Christian people um, to be grateful because your peace and being content uh, is very much connected to being grateful and being thankful. And so Colossians talks about this. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. So our assignment as Christians is to be a peaceful people, is to be called to peace and be thankful. And then they throw that on the end. So we were called to be at peace and then it says, and be thankful. It says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of the spirit, singing to God with what? Gratitude in your hearts. Didn't just say singing to God. Like not just going through the motions of singing, but singing to God with gratitude, thanksgiving in your heart. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so again... It's saying like, hey, there, there is a scenario. It could have left all this giving thanks out of there. It could have said sing. It's, it could have said, you know, be in unity with each other. It could have been all this. But continually throughout this, it continues to bring up gratitude or thanksgiving. So it's, it's in a way saying, hey, to be able to do this, to be able to live among each other in peace and sing psalm and give praise and all this kind of thing, to be able to do that you have to be laced or layered in gratitude and thanksgiving because like, that's the place that our heart should be in our relationship with God and our walk with God. Amen? You have everything that you need right now to be content. You have everything that you need right now to be content. I know some of you are saying, well, wait a minute. A lot of us go, well, if I just get that pay raise. Or if my husband would just start acting like that, or my wife would just be like that, or if the kids would this, or if if I could get these clothes, or if I just had that stuff, or if I could hang out with these people, then I would be happy. If I could just get to this, or if I could just get to that. But the truth is you have everything that you need right now to be content. And you say, I don't know about that. Listen, I've met people who have cancer, and they're content. I've been to funerals where people were joyful. And you say, well, I don't know. I I have seen where people in really hard scenarios have been content and have been at peace because of God who's on the inside of them. Somebody say amen. Uh, And so looking at our life, the truth is about our culture and we could argue about the economy and all this kind of stuff, but we are the most blessed people of all time. Of all time on earth, we are the most blessed generation, if you will, or time frame in history. Uh, the sizes of our houses are bigger than they ever were. The uh, comfort of our cars and the way that they work and all their functions have the most technology and uh, things like that. Uh, our, the technology that we have, the modern medicine that we have, the way that we travel, the clothes that we wear, all of the things that we have is the most blessed that we've ever seen in society, in history, ever. And, uh, and so we have all of this. And I look at all of that. We have all of these things. And then the scripture also says this, that the joy of the Lord is what? Our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So the joy of the Lord is what gives us strength. And so we ought to be the most joyful people in the world, right? Say okay. so we're Christians. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We ought to be the most joyful, happy people. Uh, and so the joy of the Lord is our strength. So if you're lacking strength in your life, if you're lacking strength, then you need to determine what is stealing your joy. So if the joy of the Lord is our strength, and you're lacking strength in your life, you're just feeling beat down, you can't push through, you can't get over, you got to take a step back and go, if the joy of the Lord is my strength, where am I losing my strength? What is it that's stealing my joy? And I think in America, what would be really easy to point that steals our joy is this destination disease that we have. One thing that is such a joy stealer is, I will only be happy if I finally get that. You know, and, I, and then I'm younger, I'm 31, and so especially growing up, I watched this happen as we graduated high school, um, oh, when I just finish high school and get to college, then I'll be happy. Oh, and then you're in college, like, oh, when I just graduate, I'll be happy. If I just get married, then I'll be happy. Oh, if we just finally have a kid, then I'll be happy. And it's always this, 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 and this. Oh, and then we get the kids out of the house, I'll finally be happy, <laughs> okay? And you just go on and on, oh, when we finally retire, I'll be happy, and all of a sudden you're retired and all of a sudden you're sitting there and you've made the destination, your happiness, your whole life, and you've never let happiness be a part of your whole life. And, it, and so where's your joy go? It goes when you say, oh, if I just get that, I'll be happy. If we just get to this, if we just get to this, we have this destination disease in America that says, if I just get the next, if I just get this thing, then I'll be happy. But the scripture says that peace comes from being thankful and being uh, having gratitude for where we are. Guys, we are the most blessed people ever. Yeah. We have so much to be thankful for. Um, so Facebook did this study and uh, they polled the um, personality. Of course, they do it without telling you, but they broke down the overall theme of people's Uh, sort of status updates or the the mindset that they were speaking from on their Facebook. And wouldn't you know that America got polled as the highest ranking, most negative Facebook users? Right? I mean, get out your Facebook, I'll show you a whole bunch of people with negative comments, right? Isn't it interesting? We're the most blessed, the most taken care of, the most equipped, yet we're the most ungrateful. Why? Because the enemy has done a great job at pumping us and hitting us with, you won't be happy unless you get this. Why? Because he understands that if you're thankful and you're grateful, you'll live in peace. And when you live in peace, remember what I said earlier? That's how God called Christians to live. Be at peace. And so it's interesting when you look at Facebook and you watch all that stuff, even it's starting to really get on my nerves, even when people talk about our country. um, Listen, I'm not gonna make a political stand. I'm not like making any statement about any... Um, side. Uh, but what I am saying is this. It's intre- uh, so uh, Saturday before Veterans Day, so last week, um, and you can throw stones at me, but I went and saw uh, a movie called Fury, and it's a story of World War II. And it was interesting in the movie for me uh, because they spent a lot of time, whether they agreed or disagreed, and I'm not talking about walking blindly, but I'm talking about that there was things that they were commissioned to do in that movie that whether they agreed or disagreed, it didn't matter because for them, it was their country. Somebody say amen. So they had this, people got us here and we're going to defend that. We're going to stand for the people that got us here. And so there's going to be a lot of honor and a lot of respect and a lot of things given to my country because it's been earned by other people who have gone before me. Somebody say amen. So when we go on our Facebooks and we're really um, bashing our own country and we're really like dismantling and dishonoring the United States of America, I think that's a pretty ridiculous thing to do. Somebody say amen. And so guard your heart. Romans 13 says that government, that there are people put in authority that is put by God. And the scripture says that when we dishonor that, when we disrespect that it's as if you disrespect God. Read 13, Romans 13.1. And so uh, I'm not saying everything that is in place is of God and is perfect and is God's will and God's design. And God, I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is we as a people, we can't be so right in front of us focused that we start to uh, throw out what men and women have gone and done before us just because of little things that Who's with me? Are you, okay? are you okay? I don't know why that's in here, but I just wanted to, I just wanted to share that. If you even look uh, at how we talk about our country, we've become very ungrateful for what we have and where we are and the people that have stood and gone before us. Amen? Okay, so this guy Warren Barfield said this thing. Um, he said, we've passed blessed. We're spoiled. And I shared that last week. But really, where we are as a country, where we are as a people, and where we are uh, as Christians, we're so far beyond blessed. We're just really spoiled. And the problem, again, with culture is if you look at the marketing, the way that we're, I think, missing it is if you look at marketing, it says this, when the, when the movie comes out and it's on DVD, the must own movie of the year, the must have, the must, you go look at all the marketing out there and it basically reads like this, if you don't have this, you will die, <laughs> you won't be happy, you surely can't live unless you own this. And it's ridiculous. We upgrade, you know, they, they give you a two-year contract. I said this last week. We upgraded our phones because they had a deal where it didn't cost us any money or whatever, just had to pay tax. And they were trying to sell me the new plan. And, uh, and so I was like, well, what's the new plan about? Well, you pay a little more per month, but you get to upgrade early. I'm like, well, no, I'm good. I can wait two years for the regular upgrade. And the, their mind was like blown that I wasn't in a hurry to get to a new phone before two years. And if you're one of those people that do that, bless your heart. But um. But it's interesting that like the culture was like you can wait two years to get the next best thing. What's wrong with you? Um, it's ridiculous how we're geared towards you won't be happy unless you get you won't until you get to the next until you get to the next. And um, and you look at the car commercials like you can't have Christmas unless you give her an Audi. You know like what? <laughs> I, can't, I, I guess we don't get Christmas. You know like you know I said it last week. You know you look at the every kiss begins with K and they're basically like. These people fell in love because he got her diamond earrings that 's not why they fell in love. They fell in love because of you know they met each other and the journey and all that kind of stuff like happiness is not found in earrings it 's found in like you know the whole interaction and so it 's just amazing to me uh, six thousand messages a day are blasted at us every day they say six thousand messages a day are blasted to us and the the angle that it comes from in terms of marketing is. If you don't have this, you can't be happy. If you don't have this, you can't this, that, or the other. And it's just not true. I believe if we can live in the way that says, hey, I'm grateful for what we have and I'm content, uh, we can have peace and, and be thankful at the same time. That's the way God called us to live. And so I got a lot of scripture here that I'm gonna throw at you. And because uh, and this, this is kind of like a little bit of an intro into next week. But so for this week and next week, I wanna talk about um, peace and Thanksgiving, they go together in scripture. And so Psalm 29, 11, it was funny. I gave this to the tech team today and he was like, dude, thanks for the encyclopedia, like just a million scriptures, because I went through all these ways that the scripture talks about peace and living with God and peace and living with God. And there's a ton of it. And I left out a whole bunch of it, but there's just a lot there. And so Psalm twenty nine eleven says, the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. And so the way that strength, the way that Lord gives strength to his people is with peace. And so we, we, we talked about that earlier, is that um, your joy comes, your strength comes through joy and being joyful and being peaceful. It's another version of that. It's like a way that you can have strength in your life is to live at peace, is to enjoy what, you're, what you have. I love this Psalm 34, 14, turn from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it seek peace and pursue it. So not only seek it, but like when you find it, keep pursuing it, keep going for it. It wouldn't say pursue it. If it just said seek peace instead of pursue it, the pursuit part is means you have to keep going after it. Okay. I found peace. I had like one good week in my life. Now I'm done. No, keep pursuing it. Keep making peace a big part of your life. Psalm thirty-seven, thirty-seven says, consider the blameless, observe the upright. There is a future for the man of peace. Psalm 85, 8, I will listen to what God, the Lord, will say. He promises peace to his people, his saints, but let them not return to folly. So he promises peace to us, and we can return back into folly by, by, by not having peace, by uh, by not listening to the Lord. And so the promise of listening to God is peace, but if we return back into folly, uh, then we lose that. And so peace is a big deal in that scripture. Psalm 119, 165. It says, great peace have they who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. So the scripture here is saying this, you'll have great peace when you love the law or the word of God or the words of God, you'll have great peace. And then when you have great peace in your life, it avoids you stumbling. Like we can avoid stumbling in our life by maintaining peace in our life. So like, I don't know how that translates. Listen, I mean, know. If you don't have peace in your finances, let's say, here's an example. You're just that paycheck to paycheck, you're grinding, you're da da da, you don't have peace, you're not content in your finances. How many know you can stumble by making bad decisions because you don't have a plan or you haven't made your finances content? We've all been there. Or in your schedule, in your personal life, you're balancing the kids and soccer and all these kinds of things are going on. And so um, you're trying to just make it all happen. And there's no peace. You haven't come to a place of like structure. Okay, I'm at peace. This is our structure. And because you haven't like made a place of peace in your schedule, you start stumbling into things. You start missing, you know, a schedule or you miss an appointment or you have no time for this or that or other. I know those are really practical examples of this scripture, but that's what it's saying is like when we follow the law of God in our spiritual lives, when we make peace with the way that God has called us to live, nothing can cause us to stumble because we've put the law of God in our lives in order. Somebody say amen. Somebody say that's good. Are you with me? Are you okay? <laughs> okay. Isaiah 9-6. Of course, talking about Jesus uh, being born. Isaiah 9-6, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. One of the first four names of God, of all the names of God in Scripture one of the first ones that they made sure was in there was that he's the Prince of Peace. One of the first things said about him is that he'd be Prince of Peace. Isaiah 26.3 says, you will keep perfect peace, him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts you. Isaiah 26.12, Lord, you establish peace for us. All that we have accomplished you have done for us, so that right there is a thankful gratitude scripture uh, saying like, "Hey, you've established peace in our life, and, and we look at all that you've done for us." John 1427 I'm almost done with a few of these. Uh, John 1427 says, "Peace, I leave with you." It 's talking about Jesus leaving. So of all the things that Jesus said he could have left, oh, I've left a great uh, book of words and I've left all these writings, I've left all these things. But Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. John sixteen thirty three. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So just another way of saying, I've overcome the world, you can maintain peace. As a Christian, as a believer, you can run with structure and peace and order in your life. Amen. And to tie it all up and to put it all together here, Philippians 4, 6 through 7, a very famous scripture says, do not be anxious about anything. It says, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God will transcend all understanding. It will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So how do you keep peace? The scripture says by prayer and by thanksgiving, by prayer and being grateful, by prayer. Well, what do you do in your prayer? You, you share of thanksgiving. By the prayers of thanksgiving, God, I'm so thankful for it. God, I'm so thankful for this by prayer and thanksgiving. And then what does it promise? It says that by prayer and thanksgiving, God will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. How do you guard your heart and mind in this culture where I talked about all the marketing and people trying to get you in destination disease and all this? How do you guard your heart and mind from that? By prayer and thanksgiving. And the promise is the peace of God will guard your heart from that stuff. Caroline, our daughter is two. And, um, and she really is, she really likes to pray. Um, she doesn't, she doesn't pray yet, really. Um, sometimes we'll be driving down the car and we'll see her. She'll fold her hands and super squint her eyes, just like, just mashing her eyes together and like, so funny. But, um, and so sometimes we'll drive down the road and we're here and, and it's really just, she's saying people's names like Maggie and Tyler and like her cousins or whatever. Um, but so, so childlike faith we'll talk about. And so with her, it's like, okay, so before we put her to bed, bed, we want to say your prayers? And she's really into it now. So we actually pray quite a bit throughout the day, um, But you know what we do with her? We take her and she does her thing and you know what we do? We're we're training her, not this big thus saith elaborate, like all these, oh no, 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 Caroline, that wasn't New King James version enough. Bring it back here. You know what we do with her? Say thank you for the dog, and we say thank you for candy, and we say thank you for (laughs) all the things that we're very grateful about, gummy bears and all these things. Why? Why? Why do we start there with the little kids? Because that's what we believe prayer is. It's going to God and like saying, God, I'm I'm thankful for this relationship that I have with you and all the things that you've blessed me with. Isn't it funny that as we get older, we get so far away from that? We get out the scripture and we're like, we're trying to break it down with God as if He doesn't know. God, I've got this interpretation of your word. I need to get up to you. And really God is like, hey, let's just be thankful and grateful for like blessings and relationship and what you have. I believe when the scripture says that God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden, what do you think they were doing? They're walking around just like we walk around on a pier and look at the lake and look at the sunset. They walked around together, I think just being grateful for where they were and what they were together. Amen? And so for us, how do we guard our hearts and minds? It's by this it's through prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Um, I'll close with this. DJ, if you want to come play just a couple more minutes. So, Luke, we all know the story of the lepers. And uh, don't pay too much attention to him. He's like, he's Oz. Pay no attention to the man behind the thing because I don't want you to miss this point. So check this out. So we know the story of the 10 lepers and I'll read it here in a minute. But um, leprosy uh, is, your life was over. You had leprosy. There's nothing you could do. Um, They also saw it as a symbol of sin in your life. And so it just spread. Doesn't matter where it started, it spread. And then eventually at the end of the leprosy, um, you had no more feeling. You had no more feeling. And it was also sort of a symbol of sin because that's how sin works in our lives. It starts small and when it's unkept, you know, it just spreads and it spreads until what? Until you're numb, until you have no sense of sinning anymore. It's just becomes something that it is. And so anyway, in Luke uh, chapter 17, there's a story of Jesus and the 10 lepers. Luke 17:11 it says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee, And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out with a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. Verse 14. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. I want to take a minute there and just say this. For some of us, our healing comes as we go. It's real popular, you watch the Christian TV or you watch something or you read, about. we we get really into like the instant healing. I pray for you, I'm healed. Then we run around, we love that. We celebrate that here too, we're into that. But sometimes, and I'm glad the scripture says it this way, as they went, they were cleansed. So if you're battling with something that you're just pushing through, pushing through, believe in God, believe in God, believe in God, remind yourself that it's okay to have a as they went they were being healed and they were being cleansed. Don't be like, I didn't get it overnight. I must not have enough faith. I must not have a... They were, they were being obedient to God and you too. If you're being obedient to God, that's, all, like, that's it. That's all that you're required. Be obedient to God. And as you go, you can be healed. And so as they go, they were being healed. Verse 15 says, one of them, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God or giving thanks in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. They just put that on the end. He was a Samaritan. So what that means is he wasn't a Jew. He wasn't a church person. He was somebody who probably didn't know a lot of the Torah and didn't know a lot of the teachings and didn't get a lot of it. But the other ones, and I'll just read it to you here. So he's not a church guy. Verse 17, Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise or to thank God except for this foreigner? Then he said to them, then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you whole or has made you well. So Jesus is saying, wait, where's the other nine? This foreigner or this non-Jew or this person who isn't all churched up, this guy came back and gave thanks. Where's the other ones? And isn't it interesting, as I just talked about, like in America or even as Christians, the ones who should really get it and should really be thankful and because understanding and appreciating what really happened in the process, shouldn't we be the ones going back and saying thanks so often? But a lot of times, especially in church too, it's just the it's the foreigner, it's it's the one who didn't grow up in church, it's the one who maybe was drug or alcohol or had the and they come back and say, oh, thank you for what you did. You saved me from that pit. You saved me from the thing. I'm here. I'm still here. Like, thank you. I was once covered in my sin with nowhere to go, but now. So for my life, about me and hopefully about you, I don't want to be the people who God removes from a sin or from a place. Like, oh, yeah, God removed me from that. Thanks, God, you owed me that. Like, God owes us nothing. We should always... Be the one who goes back and says thanks. Because when we go back and say thanks, the scripture says this. He said, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. Like you leave well when you give thanks. When we go to God, God, I'm thankful, I'm grateful. He always says that back. I believe to us. Rise and go. Your faith has made you. Well. You're well. Go, go and be well. Romans 12 talks about this. Or Romans 1 21. I read this last week. says, although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. Neither were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts darkened. Their foolish hearts darkened because they didn't glorify God and they weren't thankful. And and one translation of it says this, their hearts, uh, I'll just read the whole thing. Although they knew God, but they did not glorify him as God, neither were they thankful. They became futile or having no useful results in their thoughts. They got into a place in their life that all of their thinking was just corrupt or what we talked about maybe in culture. Uh, No useful result, just trying to get to the next thing, the next thing, the next upgrade, the next, no useful result. And it said their foolish hearts darkened. We need to be a people who live with gratitude because like I read, and I'll read it again here, when we are thankful, it connects peace and gratitude. Those things go together. And it's it's possible for us to live that way. Psalm 136, one says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. The promise to us is this, we can always give thanks. Why? Because God is good and his mercy is for you forever. God is good and his mercy is for you forever. So whether you don't feel like it, whether you don't have a reason to maybe see it, maybe it's a hard week or whatever, and all you can say thanks for, say thanks that, God, you're good, and your mercy is for me forever. Somebody say amen. Won't you stand? I'll pray us out of here in just a minute, um, but the prayer team can come forward. Don't leave and don't don't move out because I really want to pray a prayer over us before we leave. But prayer team, you can come forward. If you want um, some prayer today, uh, our prayer team will be up here willing to agree with you and pray with you. Um, they get really excited about that stuff and so come come see them and uh and and pray with them about anything in your life we just want to stand with you and agree with you and and believe with you and so they'll be up here but before you leave i want to i want to pray this prayer out to to all of us i realize we're whatever it is we're in a six-week window with christmas and you know thanksgiving and all that good stuff but in a season where we should be celebrating salvation and a savior and in and, and our lives being forever redeemed, if we call upon the name of the Lord, um, in a season where we should be celebrating that and running with that, it's so easy for us to get consumer driven. Um, even yesterday, gosh, already yesterday, the lines at the stores and da-da-da-da, it was just crazy. I wanna pray over us that, that like this, we petition God with our prayers and all this, and that, that he guards our hearts, as that scripture said, Philippians, that this season, this holiday season, we make it about the right things. We keep our peace. And I know there can be family issues and all this different kind of stuff, but I believe this can be your best holiday season not because of presence or income or any of the other stuff, but I believe that you can keep your peace and stay content and live in a way uh, that we're grateful and we're thankful and we're full of peace the way God called us to live and that our hearts and our minds are guarded by God. Why? Because I think you're your most effective for the kingdom of God when we live and operate that way, amen? So take this prayer as we pray it. Just take it as we pray it out. Take it home with you, put it in your pocket. Don't leave it in the car, just bring it with you. And, um, and believe it for, well, not just the next six weeks, but forever. But, but really, let's make it our focus over the next few weeks. So God, we love you so much. And we're, again, that's what I always say, but we're so thankful for what you're doing in our lives and who you are and your plan that you have here. And God, I thank you for every person in here. Um, Lord, all of us are in a place where we can put our focus on you. Um, we can, through our prayers and petitions, Lord, in our thanksgiving, um, you'll guard our hearts. Your promise is that you'll guard our hearts and minds. And so, Lord, we don't want to be in a destination disease. We don't want to be consumer-driven. Lord, we want to walk in the peace that you've called us to live in, uh, in the harmony, in the unity that you've called us to walk in. And, Lord, this week, um, encourage us in that, equip us in that as we go forward in what you called us to do. In Jesus' name.